enjoying the service so far? Yes. Well, I have really enjoyed the service. Everyone adds to it. That's why I'm so appreciative of Freedom Baptist Church, and I probably don't say it enough, but we have a ton of people in the background who are helping and learning new things and helping out the church, and I really appreciate that. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Psalm 63. So you're going to say, what? <laughs> Not Hebrews? <laughs> no, for a couple different reasons. One, this is the fifth Sunday, so I thought maybe we'd do something a little bit different, a little bit special. And then uh, the second thing is Psalm 63 was the object of our Bible study this past Wednesday. And we just kind of sat down and went through the book of, of or uh, the Psalm uh, the 63rd Psalm, and I think we enjoyed it so much that I wanted to share some of that good stuff with you here today. So uh, I hope those who are at the study uh, will indulge me a little bit as we go over some things that we did talked about Wednesday evening. Uh, but I think this will be a blessing to us. And I've preached here this Psalm here at Freedom before, so it is a Psalm that I come back to regularly. And when I feel like I need some encouragement, when I need to understand what it is to truly have a heart for God, this is usually the psalm that I come to. And so that's my reason for skipping over Hebrews. Another thing that I'm, uh, I'm never too anxious to preach about, and you'll have to pray for me about this week, is about myself. And so next week, we start talking about the role of the pastor in the church and what he is responsible for. So maybe I'm putting that off a little bit because I don't like to talk about myself, but we will, we will get there next week. So anyway, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of Psalm 63, if you've turned there uh, by now. And it is a beautiful psalm written by King David. And so let's read this. It's a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will sing, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, my right hand upholds me, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Let's stop here and pray. Father, we thank you for this a verse of scripture that has been written by David and kept and preserved for us probably about 3,000 years now. And even now, these words ring true in our heart that there is no greater thing than to be in a relationship with God. And we pray that you would help us get a sense of that here today. 
not only a sense in our minds, but a sense in our heart. May our hearts today really truly be changed and desire you more than we ever have before and to be willing to sacrifice our own lives for your sake and for the kingdom. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, just a little bit of a background of the book of Psalms. Of course, most of you know that it's 150 uh, Psalms long. It's got, actually got several different authors, of which David is only one. There's about 75 of the Psalms which David actually wrote. And then the sons of Korah wrote 11, Asaph wrote 12, Solomon wrote 2, Moses wrote 1, and that leaves, leaves about 49 of the Psalms where we really don't know who the author is. Could have been David, could have been others as well. But this particular Psalm identifies itself. That very first line actually is scripture, even though it's uh, not verse 1 in Bible programs. And in some Bibles, you'll see this as uh, verse number zero, but it identifies it as a Psalm of David. And it was written when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And so we're familiar for the most part with most of the patriarchs of the people of Israel. We know that there's Abraham, which we've been talking about in Sunday school, followed by Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Judges. And then there came a, a period of time in the nation of Israel where they desired to have a king, just like all of the other nations. And uh, this was very offensive to God for them to ask to have a king like all the other nations. They wanted a military king who would go to war and who would vanquish all of their enemies around them. And God really found this to be offensive because he considered himself to be their God or, and their king. And by them asking for another king, it's as though they were rejecting God as their king. And in fact, they were. But as God does many times, he let them have what they wanted. And it did not always turn out good for the nation of Israel. The first king, of course, was King Saul. He's described as being very tall and handsome. He was in the eyes of the people, the perfect candidate for king. But he had a divided heart for God. In the beginning, he was very strongly obedient to the Lord, but then his heart began to wane, and he had difficulty obeying the Lord God and some of the commands that the Lord would give him. And then, of course, he became very jealous of this young shepherd boy by the name of David, who Samuel had anointed as going to be the next king of Israel. And so we find that David is actually in the Jordan, the wilderness of Jordan, because he is running away from probably Saul, who was persecuting him and was very jealous and wanted to get rid of David so that he could continue to be king. Now, King David was not perfect by any means, right? <laughs> he was not perfect by any means. But 1 Samuel 16, 7 characterizes that, uh, that David was a man who, looked, who uh, looks on the heart and, and that he was a man who was after God's very own heart. In fact, even in the book of Acts, it talks about God in fi finding David, he found the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. And so once again, we find out that 
what God is really interested is it in our heart. He's not interested necessarily in our <coughs> obedience, just done for the sake of obedience, but he's really interested what's going on in our heart. Are you being, are you being obedient? And if you are, are you doing it with the right motive at all? And so kind of this whole section in the Psalm of Psalm 63 is a lesson for us in that times of adversity, we should seek the Lord as a source of our satisfaction and contentment. And this is not a new theme for us. We've talked about this very many times, but where does our satisfaction and our contentment come from? Is it in the things of the world? Is it in material things? We talked about that in Sunday school a little bit. Do we find contentment in relationships with other people? We should find some contentment there, right? It's not wrong to have strong relationships with people. But ultimately, our final and greatest contentment should come from our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Should come from that, our contentment. And Jesus makes some very strong statements in, in the New Testament. He says, come and follow me. And he says, abandon everything else. And so our heart must be fully focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think the lesson of Psalm 63 is that in David, who was a true believer, even though he was not perfect, we find a, a man who has a heart after God's own heart. And we see that in the example of the scripture we've read today, Psalm 63. This is how we should re respond in times of, of adversity. Because David, when he wrote this, was in a time of adversity, right? He was running from Saul. He was in the wilderness of Judah. He was basically in a desert where it appears there was no water, no company, no food, and no comfort at all, physically speaking. That's what we see in verse number one when he says, God, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh faints for you in a, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water so he's being hunted down he has a lack of water lack of food he has high stress level and anxiety he's really in a wilderness and in a storm during his life have you ever been through a storm in your life or had a difficult time in your life I know that you all have some are going through those difficult times right now. What amazes me about this psalm and, and David's attitude is that he's not asking the Lord for water, is he? He's not asking the Lord for food. He's asking, can I be restored in my relationship with you? See, things in the Old Testament were a little bit different than what we are now. We know that God lives within each believer and has a presence within each believer. So we don't have to go anywhere to be in the presence of God. But David was used to meeting the Lord at the sanctuary. And we've talked about this before as well. The portable tent that was made and God would come down and he would inhabit the Holy of Holies, his physical presence, a pillar of cloud, uh, by day or a pillar of fire by night, but his presence would be there. David was used to going to that place and seeing God's power and his glory. And he cannot do that when he's in the wilderness. 
And so he is not asking for food. He's not asking for water, although I'm sure that he needs those things. But he's saying, if I, if I need anything, I need to be with the Lord. I need that relationship with the Lord. And that's what is so amazing about this section of scripture to me, is that he puts his relationship with the Lord above everything else, every physical need that he could possibly have. And so I love the way that he handles his stress. He goes to the Lord, which is an example for what we should do, right? That's what we should do during times of stress, not only times of stress, but the good days as well, we should always go to the Lord. But if you stop and think about how you respond to stress or I hate to do it, I hate to think about how I respond to stress because it's not pretty sometimes. Some people are quiet and withdrawn. Other people can't stop talking, right? <laughs> we, deal with, we deal with stress in different ways. Some people are quiet. Some people can't stop talking. They have to get it out about what's going in their life. Other people just want some quiet. Some people uh, eat everything in sight, right? When they deal with stress, they want to eat everything in sight. Other people, they can't eat at all. David was kind of the one who couldn't eat at all. Remember, uh, picking my memory a little bit, but during the time where Bathsheba was carrying his child and the child was born and it looked as though the child was going to die and the child did die. David couldn't eat a thing, right? He could not eat. He only ate after the child passed away. Some lash out at people. Others give the silent treatment. I should raise my hand. Who gives the silent treatment? Who? No, I won't do that. I give the silent treatment. Sometimes I lash out. Some people are lazy. Other people can't stop working. Some people fill their lives with all types of entertainment, video games, TV, pornography. And we respond in ungodly ways. And what the Psalm 63 says, what David is saying, is respond in godly ways. Go toward God, not away from him. Don't go to other things, but go to God. We want to respond in godly ways, not sinful. And in this psalm, David is an example of how to respond in a crisis in a godly manner, in a manner of one whose heart is after the heart of God. So how did David respond in this crisis situation? During this time where he's thirsty, he's hungry, he's hot, he's in the desert. He even says that being with God is better than eating the most fat and rich food. <laughs> I like that. I like fat and rich food, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's okay, I think, to eat fat and rich food, but in moderation, right? But he, he compares that in that way. But how do we respond to the crisis situation? We seek after God for satisfaction and contentment. We seek after him. We acknowledge God as my God. That's what he does in the very first verse. He says, oh God, you are my God. He wants him to know that none of these other things are going to be ruler over his life. His hunger is not going to be ruler over his life. His thirst is not going to be the ruler over his life. But God 
is the one who is the God of his life. And I will earnestly seek you even in the midst of my hunger and my thirst. I'm going to put them off to the side. I, I want a sense of the presence of God in my life like I had back at the tabernacle, like the sanctuary. During this time, Paul says, I will seek him earnestly. Only God will satisfy our internal thirst. Amen. Amen. We have a thirst. The woman at the well talked about that as well, right? Give me the water that lasts forever, she said. And she did. She had an encounter with Christ and believed and trusted in him. Only God satisfies our thirst. Only his wisdom is, our, is wisdom that we can depend upon. We are to seek his con comfort and seek his contentment. Don't seek after false gods. Don't turn to other things. Don't turn to the TV. Don't turn to food. Don't turn to other relationships. Only seek after God. That means we need to be in his word and, his, and prayer. Amen? Amen? And sometimes fasting which is biblical, right? Sometimes I think we've forgotten that in our New Testament times, that we are to fast and to seek after the Lord. And so are you in the word of God? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Things to think about. Another way that David responds to his adversity is that he remembers God's victory over past wilderness experiences. You've all had wilderness experiences in the past, amen? amen? And you made it through, right? Because you depended upon God. Amen. We don't take things into our own, our own hands. We don't try to gain control. But we leave God in control. We seek after his power and his glory. And we find contentment in him. God has been so faithful to me, a faithfulness that I truly don't deserve. But he has seen me through a lot of difficulties. And most of you know, maybe not everyone, but there was a time in my life after becoming Christian that I turned away from God for a couple years for selfish reasons. And Darla was going to church by herself with the kids. And... Now I look back and I remember those times when God was faithful to me even though I was not being 100% faithful to him. And so we remember that. And as we go through more difficult times, we remember that God was faithful and he will continue to be faithful, amen? He will continue to be faithful to us. Finally, I, I noticed that in, in our Bible study group, we all notice this as well, but I think four times David deals with this adversity by saying that he will sing out or praise God in some way. Have you ever done that? I, there's, with technology today, you can just do about anything, but my worst time of the day is probably in the morning. <laughs> so, and sometimes I wake up and I'm not in the best mood or I'm fearful about what's going to happen that day. And so I will tell Siri, I will say, oh, I better not say it in here. Phones might go off. 
But I will say, hey you, play some happy Christian music. And that will change my mood. That will change my mood. Not necessarily the music, but the holy inspired verses and the music itself. And so four times here in verse three, it says, because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Think about it. He is in the desert hiding from someone trying to kill him, thirsty, hungry, all alone, isolated, and he is praising God. Kind of reminds you of Paul in prison, right? Paul did that in prison. It seems to be, it seems to be a characteristics of godly people that when they're in adverse situations, that they just flip that around and turn it for the good. That they're happy for the sake of being suffering for Christ. Number five, my soul will be satisfied as with rich and fat foods and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. So when you're under adverse times or when you're challenged by something, sing something to God. Sing something to God. Scriptural, right from the scripture, this is what we are to do. Number seven, for you have been my help and in my, the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My song clings to, well, let me just stop there. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Once again, we are to sing for joy. And then finally in verse 11, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exalt for the mouths of the liars will be stopped. Exalt is just another word for a joyful expression of who God is. And so we are to praise God, amen? <laughs> we are to sing loudly, amen? And we're to open our mouths and speak of the glories of God. So how do we respond to this? How do we, how we respond to adversity really is a reflection of the condition of our heart. If we lash out, we have a heart problem. If we're finding contentment in food, we have a heart problem because we're turning to an idol instead of to God. And we could go on and on and on. What we need to do is examine ourselves during those times and continue to place our trust in Christ and just trust in him and sing praises to him and to seek contentment in him by going to his word. Amen. His word is where it's at, right? God's word, turn to God's word. Turn to God's word, turn to him in prayer. Let him know what is on your heart. One of the things that we mentioned Wednesday night is that this very first verse where it says, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. One of the things that we kind of, most of us confess to each other is that we don't feel that way very often. We, not, not with this intensity. We don't earnestly seek God. We don't thirst after God. And so what, what, what can we do? All I can say from a pastoral as far as giving you advice is pray and ask God to increase your desire for him. And he will do that. 
He will do that. Sometimes there's a work of God that has to be done in our heart that only He can do. I had to pray a similar prayer many years ago when I first learned to share the gospel. I learned to share the gospel at a relatively early age in my Christian life. But my heart was not in it. My heart was not in it because I was fearful of man. I was fearful of sharing that gospel. And so I would, I would, I didn't want to do it, but I ultimately I had to pray to God and said, give me a desire in my heart for these people's salvation that is greater than my fear of man. And he will do that. You have to be careful what you pray for. If you pray for godly things, he will answer. And in the same way, how do we increase our desire for God? We pray for it. We ask God to increase our desire for him. We look at how he has been faithful in the past to bring us out of our adversity. And we sing with joy. And so as we go to the Lord in prayer, you may find that, hey, my desire is not what it should be. I would be surprised if anyone in here didn't feel that way. So as we go to the Lord in prayer, you ask him to do a special work in your life and, you, and to give you that desire. Let's go to the word in, Lord in prayer and we'll close with our closing song. Father, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you that you are worthy of our earnest desiring. You are worthy of our soul thirsting after you. And yet so many times in our world, other things get in the way. And it seems as though those things have made us numb to the glories of what you have done in our life. And we've become so used to hearing that Jesus died for our sins that we don't get the full impact like we used to because we've become numb. Maybe we've even gone asleep. Maybe we've even started drifting away. And we don't feel the same excitement that we used to about the gospel. Well, we're asking you here today to change that to give us and renew our heart that we might once again be red hot for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we be fervently hot for the glory of Jesus Christ and spreading his fame across all of our communities and the state and the nation and to the ends of the world. Help us. We need help today. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.